Thanks for tuning in. This edition of Outcasting will begin in a few moments. Outcasting is produced by Media for the Public Good, formerly WDFH, Westchester Public Radio. Non-commercial, non-profit, and volunteer-powered. One of the things that makes a show like Outcasting possible is financial support from listeners like you. Please visit us at mfpg.org and click on Support to make your tax-deductible contribution. And connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Outcasting Media. And now, Outcasting. Before I told people that I was asexual, it felt like I was like I was lying, like I was actively saying that what I was was damaged and diseased and broken, unhealthy. I just felt depressed almost constantly. But after I started telling people, I started feeling fantastic about myself. Like I, like I was no more different from anyone else than they were. Like I was just experiencing something else, something that they didn't know about, but I was still the same as them. I was, in, I was healthy. This is Outcasting, Public Radio's LGBTQ youth program, where you don't have to be queer to be here. Outcasting is a production of Media for the Public Good, a listener-supported independent producer based in New York, online at outcastingmedia.org. Hi, I'm Andrew. On this edition of Outcasting, we hear from fellow outcaster Dante about his experience growing up asexual and how his sexuality has affected his life. My life before sixth grade was completely normal. I didn't feel different during the sixth grade and the seventh grade than I had my entire life. What I felt was like everyone else was getting different. I felt like everyone else was changing in some really strange and almost satirical way. Prior to the sixth grade, I felt like I was completely normal, like there was no difference between me and anybody else. I mean, everyone's different, but there was not really anything clearly highlighted to be different, any clear separation. But after about halfway through sixth grade, it was as if everyone had been born with a a card. And at that point, they all flipped it over. And that was deciding what their sexuality would be. And I simply had nothing. After they would flip the card, after they would start figuring out what they were they acted completely differently i noticed which ones were gay i noticed which ones were straight which ones were bi i could see it pretty clearly but i simply had nothing i didn't see anybody as attractive i didn't see anything as attractive i began feeling that there was something very wrong with me by about halfway through seventh grade when i still had no um attraction to anyone I just remembered like feeling very connected to the friends of mine that hadn't yet began feeling attractions to people. And I would stick close to them and I would say like how ridiculous it was that people would be dating in the seventh grade. And then by the eighth grade, they would be dating too. It's like everyone just started acting differently out of nowhere. Between the middle of the sixth grade and the middle of the seventh grade, I felt like Everyone was just slowly, it wasn't all at once. Not everyone started acting differently right away, but it was that it was spreading. And by the time it had spread to everyone else, I still was the same. And that's when I started getting depressed. 
everyone else was appearing to be attracted to someone else and I wasn't. I started tracking who made whose eyes get dilated and made their breaths shorter and deeper. I tracked who like who kept whose gaze longer, who um altered the behavior of who and I could see clearly who was uh, which people were attracted to who and no one made me feel that way. No one. I thought that that was just the way normal, healthy people behaved. And I tried mimicking it. At that point, I was considering myself to be unhealthy. That there was something wrong with me. That there was something that I couldn't talk to anyone about. And that I would see a psychologist. And that they would say, here's what's wrong with you. And put me on a, on a slew of medication that wouldn't work, but would just... That would just prove that there was something wrong with me. And I knew it, but I couldn't have anyone else see me that way. If I couldn't be healthy, I wanted to at least be seen that way. I was terrified of looking it up or of telling anyone. And I um, stayed that way. I stayed that way until senior year in high school. I wouldn't talk to my parents about it. I wouldn't talk to my friends about it. I wouldn't talk to, certainly not a doctor. As eighth grade came around, I began feeling extremely desperate. I thought that I just couldn't control myself, that I was lacking this essential thing and I couldn't accommodate for it. I couldn't pretend to be normal and I, I just felt powerless and out of control. And I actually began some nights holding a knife to my wrist just to feel like I could could still control that if I could never if I couldn't continue keeping up the appearance of being healthy then I could always just control that one aspect of my life meaning I could still end it if there was no other way to, if there was no other way to be healthy, there's no other, if there was something wrong with me that I could still fix it that way. I never tried killing myself, but I just tried reassuring myself that I could, that that was always an option. And that was, uh, Maybe once every month or two, I would get up in the middle of the night and just hold it there. I wouldn't break skin, but I would just feel that I had the ability to. It went on for a couple of years, until about 10th grade, from 8th grade till about 10th grade. Not, not that it was continuous, that it, it I would do it once every month or two for a couple months and then I would stop for a while and then I'd feel better about myself and then the depression would come back and I'd do it again and I would just do that and then feel like okay I'm gonna try again to just push it out of my mind I'm not gonna think about it I'm not gonna deal with it I'm just going to live without this toxic feeling of being broken and I'm just going to try and be healthy and happy without dealing with it 
And then I would just not think about it for a few months. And then something would happen where, uh, so like someone would be talking to me about hookups or something, and then it would come back and I would think about it again. And the depression would come back too. And then I would do it again and feel better. It was a numb feeling of better, if that makes any sense. It would just numb the pain. I certainly did not feel good about myself, just better than I had been feeling. And then I pushed the feeling of being broken, of feeling somehow damaged. I pushed it out of my head for about two years until the end of um, 11th grade. I just didn't think about it. I just, like, wouldn't look at anything that would make me think about it. I would just, like, just be completely ignorant of anything that was caused by sexual attraction. Just ignore it. Just feel that, like, only toxic thoughts can come from that. And just whistle and move on. It wasn't a good feeling, but it was the best I'd felt in a long time. To not think about it, I did actually immerse myself in not schoolwork, but just out-of-school activities. I became the president of Tech Club, vice president of Yem Club, president of Strategy Games Club. And I would just be after school every day in the computer lab playing games or programming games or doing research on whatever I could find that would interest me. Anything to keep my brain occupied. One of my friends was trying to figure out what like sexuality I was, what, what I was attracted to. He would talk to me about what girls I thought were attractive, what um, porn I would watch. And I remember I was just trying to get him to stop talking about it, but like as stealthily as I could. And uh, he brought it up. And we were watching something on Hulu, and I said, wait, stop talking, I'm trying to watch this. And then I realized I had said that to an airplane commercial. And he looked at me very strangely after that because I, it was very clear that I was very uncomfortable with talking about it. In eighth grade and seventh grade and ninth grade, I would watch sexually explicit and suggestive music videos with my friends and pretend to be really interested in them, even though I found them tediously boring to watch. I would watch movies that were suggestive and things of that nature around my friends and just try and act like I was similarly interested in that, but it was all just colorless to me, just empty of anything interesting. Every time I pretended to have the same kind of impulses and desires as those around me, I felt like I was reaffirming that there was something wrong with me. I, I told myself it was making me feel better because I was pretending to be healthy and that it was working, but it, every time I did it, it just made me feel deep down that I was right, that there was something, that there was something really wrong with me. Every time I did it, I reaffirmed to myself that yes, everyone would think it's unhealthy if you did, if you came out and said it. Every time I did it, I felt like I had some kind of disorder, some kind of mental disability, something that was just causing me to be unable to see what they saw, like some kind of psychopathy almost.
that I couldn't connect to people that way. Throughout our culture, it's sex is seen as something that is, if you can't have it with someone, then you can't love that person. The sex is called making love. If you can't do it, then you clearly can't be in any kind of romantic relationship with that person. I felt that I could relate to people as friends, and that was it. That I would never be able to connect with someone any, in any way deeper. I wanted to, but I felt like I couldn't. If I had been diagnosed with an official mental disorder, it would have been like death to me. It would have been... I just wanted to be able to be normal, to be healthy, without having something that would never go away, never be really treated. Just hover over there saying that I was never going to be able to lead a, a healthy life. That I would always be broken from this moment on. I felt like all of my cognitive abilities are in place, but there's something just wrong with me. Like I was missing something very essential and that I couldn't feel that there was something very wrong with me. I felt like there was something wrong with me because I couldn't feel like there was something wrong with me because I couldn't identify what was wrong with me. I didn't realize that there was nothing wrong with me. I didn't realize that it was just me seeing everyone else differently than they saw each other. It wasn't really that there was something wrong with me, it was just that I was different than what I was perceiving everyone else to see in each other. And that something was a sexual attraction. This is Outcasting, Public Radio's LGBTQ youth program where you don't have to be queer to be here. Outcasting is a production of Media for the Public Good, a listener-supported independent producer based in New York, online at outcastingmedia.org. On this edition of Outcasting, we're hearing from 18-year-old Outcaster Dante about his experience growing up asexual. At the end of 11th grade, I wanted to hang out with this person, and they thought I wanted to hook up with them. And they, didn't, they weren't really comfortable with that, so they tried to say they weren't interested, and I just said, oh, I'm not trying to, I'm asexual, and the words just kind of came out. I didn't, I didn't really think of it before that. I just kind of, the words just kind of came out and I thought that it was the best word to describe to other people what my experience was. That I had a complete lack of sexual attraction to any person, gender or otherwise. When I told this person that I was asexual, it felt very liberating to finally have it off my chest, to finally have someone sort of understand what I was going through. And that not everyone was heterosexual or gay or bi, that there was uh, another division, another orientation out there that just wasn't being represented. Sexual attraction is completely separate from libido. I experienced a libido, but it was just not connected to any attraction to people. It was just an impulse, not a attraction. A few months later, I decided that let's see if anyone else has used this label since it's sexuality, it might be viewed as an orientation and maybe someone else has experienced it. So I looked it up and then I came across this uh, website called Avon and that's when I found out that there were a lot of other people that, that experienced this orientation and that there was actually a, a very 
nice community of people. And it was one of the most liberating moments of my life that I didn't have a disorder or, or anything that I was just had an orientation that I could be completely happy. I could, they were people in relationships and happily so who just didn't experience sexual attraction to another human being. And they were just happy with themselves. And that's when I realized I could be too. I just had to accept it and it came very quickly. When I joined the website, I discovered that there's actually a um, a whole system of classification that uses the decoupled relationship between romantic attraction and sexual attraction, and that you could actually completely experience a romantic attraction to someone while having a complete lack of a sexual attraction to anyone. This made me feel like I could finally see and understand what had been happening to me from, from like a bird's eye view. It, it felt like I could finally see that what I had been experiencing was normal. It was just another experience not different than any other, just a little rarer than the average. Discovering this made me very happy and excited for the future, feeling that I could be in as healthy relationship as anyone else, going just off my romantic attraction to that new individual. I identify as asexual demi-panromantic. Asexual means I'm not sexually attracted to anyone of any gender or creed or anything. Um, demi means I'm only attracted to people I've known for a while or like know personally. And when I say attracted, I mean romantically attracted to. Um, and uh, pan, pan means I'm attracted to anyone of any gender. So I'm romantically attracted to people I've known for a while, people I know closely, basically people I could already be friends with. Um, I'm attracted to those people regardless of their gender or gender identity. And I'm not sexually attracted to anyone. Before I told people, it felt like I was, like I was lying, like I was actively saying that what I was was damaged and diseased and broken, unhealthy. But and I just felt depressed almost constantly. But after I started telling people, I started feeling fantastic about myself. Like I, like I was a. Like, I was no more different from anyone else than they were. Like, I was just experiencing something else, something that they didn't know about, but I was still the same as them. I was, in, I was healthy. The first person I came out to was in the computer lab after school. He was a friend of mine for the past three years, and we were just talking about this um, girl. He was trying to see if I was interested in her. And I was interested, but I wasn't, like, attracted to her. And he started trying to dissect the difference between those two. And I was... It It took a while of talking about it and explaining it. And then I just looked at him and said, I'm not sexually attracted to anyone. I think I'm asexual or something. We just exchanged that, and then we went home and didn't talk about it again until I'd come out to him.
like officially come out like, hey, I think I'm definitely asexual. It was over the phone and then he came over and I showed him Avon and that I was joining as a member on Avon and that like there's this community. We didn't talk about it again until after I had found Avon and had come out to myself officially as being asexual and we had a long conversation about what asexuality was and we still have conversations here and there, but for the most part he understands it and totally accepts me. It's great. No two people accept it the same way. You have to explain it new each time. And most reactions are unexpected, to say the least. I've gotten very good responses of just immediately clicking and understanding what it's like and totally understanding and getting it. And other friends will react very negatively. Like friends I've been I've known for years. One of my friends every, every time I try and like bring up my relationship, will just immediately blurt out, You're not in a relationship, she's just a friend. She's just a friend. That's it. This is the guy that like he's such a great guy, like the nicest person ever. He's just a chill guy. And then like I'll bring up like hey, Jamie's coming over, and he's like, oh, you mean your best friend? And I was like, no, I mean my girlfriend. And he's like, shut up, you're friends. Coming out to my mom, exciting. Uh, it Coming out to my mom took about an hour of talking to her and then showing her Avon and explaining it to her. And the best I could get was a reaction that was along the lines of, I support you. I'm not here to oppose any way you want to live your life, but um, are you sure it's not just a phase? That's actually one of the better reactions I've gotten from people. She continued thinking it was a phase for quite a while, and we had to have a few more talks, but that was it. She accepted it pretty, pretty neatly. I did not come out to my dad. I told her not to discuss it with him, but he knew about me going out with Jamie far before I told him. And, you know, he just... I don't really have to tell him stuff, he just figures it out. He's a sharp guy. I met somebody on Avon who I began dating fairly quickly, within about a month of knowing them. And we dated for about two months. Um... The girl I met was living in Canada, um, Alberta at the time, and was we were going to meet later on in our relationship, but we broke up before we were going to meet. We never met physically, and that was fine. I was totally fine with just talking to them, video chatting and Skype calling. After I broke up with my previous girlfriend, I began dating someone shortly after that from Outcasting, a friend and coworker of mine named Jamie. Lovely individual. During one meeting at Outcasting, there wasn't a whole lot of work for us to be doing, so the whole crew of Outcasters had a bit of a party. We had pizza, and we all just hung out and talked. And me and Jamie were off in the corner, and we started talking, and... And then the um, next time during the, the next um, car ride to Outcasting, 
we talked the entire ride over and back and got a little cuddly about halfway back. The week after that, we didn't talk. We just cuddled for the entire trip to and from outcasting and exchanged glances while we were there doing work on separate sides of the room. And then uh, that weekend, I had a barbecue I had to go to with some of my um, other queer friends, and I invited Jamie, and we talked the entire time by ourselves on a trampoline, just talking and cuddling. And then um, that next Friday, I invited Jamie to come over to my house, and um, we took a walk about... 20 minutes into the woods where we got to this old rusted bridge that leads out under the Hudson River onto this small sandbar. We talked for about an hour, and that's when I asked Jamie out. and They said yes, and it was... After that, we went to the park, just hung out and kissed. After that... A few hours later, we went to a park on the other side of town. There's this small, sweet little stream that cuts through about a third of it, right by some benches. We pulled out a bench to about the middle of the park and just kissed. It was one of the happiest nights of my life, to be honest. Knowing about asexuality early in my life would have made me avoid a lot of the The turmoil, the self-doubt that I had through much of my younger life, I really felt like I was different than everyone else, and I couldn't figure out why. I felt like I was, like my brain was damaged, like there was something wrong with me, that I just couldn't see what everyone else saw and took as something so basic, something so, like, essential. Sex is in every part of society. It's completely normalized, and if you don't, see it if you don't follow it then it people just I thought people would just look at me differently throughout coming to terms with my asexuality I've had to deal with a lot of depression and toxic toxic thoughts and just a lot of just sadness about it, but I, now that I've come to terms with it, I've just, I just feel better about myself. I, I'm in a lovely relationship. I, I'm not sad about how I feel anymore. I'm, I smile when I tell people about it. I, this is the happiest I've been in a long time. And I can't see it going badly. Dante is an outcasting youth participant who identifies as asexual. We thank him for sharing his story. On the next edition of Outcasting, Dante will be speaking with Professor Anthony Bogart to get an expert perspective on asexuality. Anthony Bogart is a professor of health and sciences at Brock University in St. Catharines, Ontario. He specializes in the study of human sexuality. That's it for this edition of Outcasting, Public Radio's LGBTQ youth program, where you don't have to be queer to be here. 
This program has been produced by the Outcasting team, including youth participants Dante, Joseph, Sydney, Michael, Jamie, and me, Andrew. Our executive producer is Mark Sofus. Outcasting is a production of Media for the Public Good, a listener-supported independent producer based in New York. More information about Outcasting is available at outcastingmedia.org. You'll find information about the show, listen links for all Outcasting episodes, and the podcast link. Outcasting is also on social media. Connect with us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and YouTube at Outcasting Media. If you're having trouble, whether it's at home or school, or just with yourself, call the Trevor Project hotline at 866-488-7386, or visit them online at thetrevorproject.org. The Trevor Project is an organization dedicated to LGBTQ youth suicide prevention. Call them if you have a problem. They even have an online chat you can use if you don't want to talk on the phone. Being different isn't a reason to hate or hurt yourself. All right, go get a piece of paper. I'll say it one more time. 866-488-7386 or online at thetrevorproject.org. You can also find a link on our site, outcastingmedia.org, under Outcasting LGBTQ Resources. I'm Andrew. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time. If you enjoyed this edition of Outcasting, please make a tax-deductible gift to Media for the Public Good. We can't do programs like this without your support. Visit mfpg.org and click on Support. And connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Outcasting Media. Thanks.